Is that okay? Yes. I have your word. The highs have it. <laughs> Praise God. Take the bulls by the horns. Take the bull by the horns. That's what I'm speaking on this morning as we continue in the series. A good name. If you've not been around for a while, we've been on a teaching series on character and the attribute of God that we call holiness. And this morning, this message has been titled, Take the Bull by the Horns. Last week, we concluded on a note where we signaled ourselves on one particular thing that we should know and know where. And that's that the test of character, the two tests of character, adversity and prosperity. Adversity and prosperity. I shared extensively on the story of Job. The book of Job, in my little study, has shown that the primary subject of the book of Job is an engagement, the awareness of God's sovereignty. The book of Job, by the way, is not about suffering. The book of Job is not about curses. Because it, when I just became a Christian many years ago, somebody said, don't read Job, oh. Don't read Job. That's the book in the Bible that they used to curse people. <laughs> or stuff like that. You know, people have all kinds of mindset about different books of the Bible. Uh, you know, the Psalms. Yeah. War against those who war against me. Let their habitation be desolate. You know, all those kind of things people use. But, uh, I mean, the book of Psalms, for instance, about praise, about the wisdom of God. It's about the fear of God. The book of Job is about God's sovereignty. The fact that after all said and done, God is still the sovereign God and you don't question his sovereignty. All God expects of you is that you align yourself with his precepts, his laws, his counsel, and his word. But he is sovereign. But through the story of Job, we realize that there are two tests of character. One is adversity, the other one is prosperity. Job was tested with adversity and he maintained a life of integrity and character. But Job initially was given prosperity by God and God was able to brag about him. God was literally bragging about Job to the devil. Have you seen my servant Job? There's none like him. And Job was extremely wealthy. And many things were going for him very, very well. Yet, Job will not use his wealth uh, to, you know, to, to, to finance his whims and caprices. But he was using his wealth the right way and God was boasting about him. So, adversity tests stability, we said that last Sunday, while prosperity tests integrity. Adversity pushes you towards hopelessness, leading to desperation. That's what adversity does. Leading you, uh, you know, towards hopelessness and desperation. And we say that prosperity amplifies your inherent weaknesses and finances your whims. So whether uh, uh, it's adversity or prosperity, we should be aware of the fact that in the two situations, God still expects us to live a life that will be pleasing to him. Because you can't give an excuse that's because I'm in adversity. That's why I have to cheat. That's why I have to misbehave. And at the same time, you can't say, God, why have you blessed me so much? If I didn't have money, I wouldn't be committing this sin. 
I was preaching at the mainland center in the second service last Sunday. And I said, you know, some people, it's so easy for them to be holy when they are poor. When you cannot afford to fornicate. Because sometimes fornication is expensive. And it's beyond your pay grade. And then you now boast as if you are holy. Let money enter your hand. That's when we can see whether you can really handle it. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying this morning. Because prosperity is also a test of character. Glory be to Jesus. Let's go to uh, the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'll read from verse 6 down to 12. And I want you to follow me very carefully. Take the bull by the arms. 1 Timothy chapter 6 from verse 6 down to 12. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness. Somebody say pursue righteousness. Godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. To which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witness, witnesses. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Fight the good fight of faith. When we talk about the good fight of faith, a lot of the time people think it's only about when I'm sick and I'm fighting a good fight of faith for God to heal me so I can say, even when I'm still feeling pain in my body, the good fight of faith is that I know I already have victory, which is healing. So I confess my healing, I don't confess the pain. Let the weak say I'm strong. Though I'm weak, I confess strength. But the real good fight of faith is when we put it at the right place. It's good to fight the good fight of faith to, to stand and proclaim your healing, even when you're still feeling pain. But I'm saying, let's take it a little further this morning, that I can fight a good fight of faith to live a life of integrity and a life of holiness. I can fight a good fight of faith. I can declare that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And based on my confession of faith, trust God to pull me through the temptation. Pull me through a situation that would have pushed me further into a life of sin and uh, uh, a life that is a life of, you know, lack of character. It's important for us to understand that God is counting on you and I to extend our faith to the areas of character. To believe that God can make a righteous person out of a liar, a pathological liar. Like I said last Sunday, we shouldn't believe, we shouldn't be a kind of nation that only believes God for miracles of healing and deliverance from witches. Only. 
That's a good place to start. But we should appropriate that same power of God to live a holy life and a righteous life because it's possible. It's the same power. Jesus said, which one is easier? To say, your sins are forgiven you or to say, right, so pick your bed and go home. He said, it's the same power. The same power that heals the sick is the same power that forgives sin and empowers you to live above sin. Are you still with me this morning? Glory be to Jesus. Godliness with contentment is great gain. How does God reward integrity? There are many things to say in this series, but this morning I'm just going to talk around a few things as we take the bull by the horn. How does God reward integrity? You know, sometimes when you know that there's a reward, you're a little more motivated to even want to release your faith to live a life of integrity. Or maybe I should even say, do you expect God to reward your life of integrity? It's important to know that the nature of reward is not for you to determine. That's where we make our mistake. That's where we make our mistake. The nature of reward is not for me to determine. The Bible says here that godliness with contentment is great gain. He said having a promise of the life that now is and the one that is to come. So having food and clothing, he said in this we shall be content. We shall be content. How do you want God to reward your life of integrity? Some people think God will reward my life of integrity with huge wealth. <laughs> wealth is as a result of certain actions that you're trying to create wealth. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. That you're diligent. That you're able to build a business. That you're able to do certain things. Wealth does not fall on people's laps. Yeah. The only thing is that you can make all the money and have all the wealth and end up in the wrong place. If you choose not to live according to God's principles. You see, in our nation... We tend to believe that anyone that has chosen to live right, that one of the ways that God will reward you is with prosperity. And I don't know where we got that from. God, Bible says God will bless the righteous and with favor, it will encompass him like a shield. That's a given. The blessing of God is upon us. But it's going to translate into wealth. We have to work with God to make it translate into wealth. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Because somebody can look at someone and say, with all your integrity and character, where is the money to show for it? You're not supposed to show money for it. I don't know if I'm, am I communicating this morning? Yeah. You can be rich if you want to be rich. Don't get me wrong. God wants you rich. Don't get me wrong. But riches is when I leverage the favor of God, the grace of God, with hard work, and I create things. It's not automatic. I can't say because, I mean, you, 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 you've read the story of Lazarus, the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man died and went to hell. Lazarus died and went to heaven. But Lazarus was poor. Somebody should have thought that ah, Lazarus was was. <laughs> was holy and God should reward Lazarus with big, a lot of wealth. The subject matters are different. I will say together. It's too much quietness in this house this morning. <laughs> the two different subject matters. 
Yeah. I'm just trying to put a cast on the table as to how God rewards a life of integrity. It supplies grace. It supplies his favor. We need to do something with grace and favor. Then we start to see, you know, real tangible wealth. We shouldn't sit down and say, because I've not cut any corners, I've not done this, so I'm going to be rich. No, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. You know, the people who are cutting corners, their number one goal in life is to be rich. My number one goal in life is not to be rich. It's to please the one that sent me here. Can I, say, can I hear a big amen to that? Yeah. So I cannot sit down in one corner and say, oh, uh, they say we should live a life of integrity. What do I have to show for, for it? You have a lot to show for it. A lot to show for it. Can I tell you some of the things you have to show for it? The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Living a principle-centered life gives your life predictability. You have a true north. You know your desired end. When you live anyhow, you cannot say this way I'm going to end. You will end anyhow. Living a life of integrity and working in righteousness will help you not to be afraid of death. Yeah, this is not even on my note. I'm just speaking from my heart. Um, I think I was, was it two weeks ago or so? Or was it last week? I was flying, flying to Port Harcourt. And the devil whispered to me as the plane was about to take off. What about if this plane drops? I said, hey, it drops, we'll go to heaven. What's your problem? I'm going to my father. Uh, I didn't even bother to bind him. Bind what? I'm not afraid of death. Yeah. I'm not afraid of death. I'm, <laughs> I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. I'm not afraid of death. I'm going to live long, but I'm not afraid of death. A wicked man runs when no man pursues. But the Bible says the righteous is as bold as a lion. Those are the gains of a righteous life. A life of integrity. Wealth, we, we can't be a nation that only looks out for wealth as a reward of integrity. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Wealth is, 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 is a product of action. I don't know if you, you're getting me. Yeah. You're doing some things. God is blessing it and blessing it. Wealth should be created. But the only thing is that as a righteous person, you have, you know, strong brand equity. People can trust you. Yeah. And that gives you leverage. And then you have grace. You have favor. And then you see God moving the affairs of your life. Is somebody still with me today? Very, very important. Secondly, benefits of integrity. Peace. Peace. Peace that cannot be bought with money. The Bible says in Isaiah 32 and verse 17... Isaiah 32 and verse 17 says, The work of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. That's real assurance. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. This is the real assurance. Yeah. 
whether you are you have a spouse or not there's no assurance in any spouse are you hearing what i'm saying yeah when you live a life of righteousness and integrity you have real assurance the bible says the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever i like this assurance yeah yeah i like this one glory be to jesus Romans 14 and verse 17, the Bible says the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. That's what it's all about. Isaiah 48 and verse 18, it says, Oh, that you heed my commandments, that your peace will have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Oh, that you heed my commandment, said your peace will be like a river. Many people are rich today, but with very, very high, high blood pressure. (laughs) Not just high blood pressure, high, high, high. Yeah. They can't sleep at night because you don't know who is against you and who is going to try to shoot you in your dream. I don't want that. (laughs) When I sleep, I sleep sleep like a baby. Yeah. You know, there's uh, me too, campaign that's going on now and it's gradually coming to nigeria like we're saying the other time if you live a life of character you are not afraid of me too yeah you're not afraid if they say something is coming to your industry some people if they say they are coming to audit your company you can't sleep yeah regulators are coming you'll be running from pillar to post if regulators are coming, you are coming to regulate. You are already regulated. So sleep well. And don't be counter cross at home. Yeah. They are asking you what's wrong. Nothing. But yet you can't sleep because regulators are coming. A life of integrity will give you peace. Peace that passes all understanding. So that in the midst of turbulence, you are there just like Jesus was sleeping in the boat. The wind and the wave came. The disciples came and said, don't you care that we perish? I said, for what now? Perish. Uh -uh. Wind, calm down. Wave, they suppressed. Let's go back to sleep. They looked at him like a a superman. Yeah. He was in control. Having in readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is complete. Glory be to Jesus. Another benefit of integrity is sustainable progress. No fear of being stored or regressing. Sustainable progress. When you live a life of integrity, one of the benefits is that you can say there will be sustainable progress in my life. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and verse, uh, verse 11, it says, Well, gain by dishonesty will be diminished. But you who gather by labor will increase. Yeah. The part of the just is like shining light. It shines brighter and brighter onto a perfect day. That's the part of the just. Not the unjust. Not the unjust. So there's sustainable progress when you live a life of character and integrity. When you hold your true north and you have a moral compass. You have sustainable progress. Another one is good success. Good success. 
Somebody says good success. What is good success? Because there's bad success. Yeah. We live in an environment where people just look out for success. They don't care whether it's good or bad. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He said, You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. He said, Then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. So there's good success and there's bad success. When you live a life of character, what you see is good success. Good success. Because it's based on the tenets of the word of God. Good success. When we talk about good success, we're talking about rounded success. Not that you have billions in account, but you are dealing, you know, but your son has spent everything on cocaine and he's in jail today and released tomorrow. You are having IVG. <laughs> Yet, there's... That's bad success. That's not what God has in mind for us. I don't know if you're you're getting what I'm saying today. Yeah. Good success. Well-rounded success. You don't want the kind of wealth that you have, but somebody had laid a cost because you cheated them or you did something, and then there's no peace in your house. Somebody say, good success. Look at your neighbor for me, smile at them, and say, good success. Say, that's your portion. I say to somebody, I say, good success. That's your portion. Glory be to Jesus. If you believe good success is your portion, say a big amen. Amen. Yeah. But the pathway to good success is a life of character and integrity. Yeah. It guarantees good success, not just any success. Another one is lasting legacy. Lasting legacy. People build stuff. The whole idea is not about building things. Will they outlive you? Anything that is built on falsehood will not last. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. Anything that's built on falsehood will not last. People have started all kinds of companies. From banks to, you know, oil and gas to different things. Some people in their lifetime, everything collapsed before them. Some other people, the moment they are passing away, the thing passed with them. Yeah. I don't want the kind of wealth that I cannot pass to the next generation. Bible says a good man is an inheritance for his children. His children's children after him, they are blessed. That's what the scripture says. Yeah. So you, you need to be focused on that. What's the point in all this stress? Killing yourself, running all over the place, and cheating and cutting and cutting everybody and doing all sorts. Yeah. You're not going to live forever. Yeah. And you want something that will outlive you. It's only when it's built, whatever is built on God is sustained by God. If you build anything outside of God, you sustain it yourself. Yeah. And there's just so much you can sustain on your own. Did somebody say with me this morning? Yeah. Just so much you can sustain on your own. And the last benefit is eternal life. Paul writing to Timothy there in 1 Timothy 6 and, you know, is it verse 10 or 11, he said, having the promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. Eternal life. Eternal lives, benefit of, of, of integrity. We live in a time where people are no longer focusing on eternity. Yeah. We're no longer keeping eternity in view. We're too moved by what we're going through right now. We're willing, you know, 
to trade eternity for the present time. Whatever God cannot give me and sustain, I don't want. Yeah. You know, it takes, it takes courage and a life of faith to say whatever God cannot give me, I don't want. Because a lot of us have friends who want anything, even if the devil will give it, even if it's the devil that's giving it. And before you know it, you are beginning to think that way. Whatever God cannot give me, I don't want. Glory be to Jesus. Let me start to wrap this all together with another dimension to this discussion. To reap the benefits, you cannot pick and choose when to be good, of of good character, and uh, when not to be of good character. You know, some people pick and choose the word of God of the one they want to do. You know, you can be a good person, a good worker in church, but a bad spouse at home. Yeah. I remember the story of my friend who started a company many years ago. And both him and... Uh, so he hired people from his church. And uh, the pastor raised an offering in church. And some of his staff, they pledged. And one of his staff stole in the business to pay his vow. <laughs> you can't rob Peter to pay Paul. I don't know if you understand. When he was telling me this was many years ago, when he was telling me the story, <laughs> he was almost crying because the business was dying. And he had to pick up one of the boys. And it was when they got to police interrogation that the boy now confessed. That is true. I, st- I stole the money. I changed the stuff. What did you use the money to do? I used to pay my vows in church. How? How can you steal to pay your vow in church? Is it by force to vow? Eh? Is it by force? And you know what? This is the problem. If your only motivation to vow, you see, we're, we're going to ask, I mean, we already asked that we do uh, accelerate seed and all that. You give from your heart as gratitude to God and as a seed for your future, immediate and long term. When that is the case, God sees you. He knows what is sacrificial to you. You don't have to take what doesn't belong to you to give to God. Jesus showed us that when he celebrated the widow that gave all that she had, it's just one might that she had. That's all. She gave it. And Jesus celebrated her. If all that you have is 10,000 naira or 100,000 naira and you choose to honor God with it, God reckons with it more than the 10 or 100 million from somebody who has 5 billion in their account. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It's only in our climb that we celebrate quantity over quality. Because God knows it's coming from your heart. And it's what you have. Paul said, not according to what a man does not have, but according to what he has. Because God is the one that gave us everything. So you give from what you have. So next Sunday, as we, nobody should come under any intense pressure. Don't steal. Yeah? If God has put in your heart, give this particular amount. That's what you should give. You are giving to him. You are not giving to an idol. He's not a wicked God. He knows what he has given you. He knows your level. So even in giving to God, 
What's the most sacrificial you can do? Everything that you have. Give. But not what you don't have. The moment you cross that line, you're on your own. Even your seed will no longer be accepted. Yeah. But within what you have, what is yours, God can demand anything. And you should be willing to give him. Glory be to Jesus. Lastly today. There's a dimension to corruption, especially when you live in our, our climb, that is purely spiritual. Completely spiritual. So, how do you deal with systemic corruption? Systemic corruption. A lot of us have been, you know, sending your feedback, and I want people to ask questions. I think they, they was it last Wednesday of the month or first Wednesday of the other uh, of July? We're, we're going to and a switch, just answer questions around this life of character and integrity and all that. And I'm looking forward to it. But this is the point I'm trying to make. People have been sending, even on social media, some people tweet back at me and say, yeah, uh, pastor, that thing you are preaching. Uh, uh, you should not judge, oh. Uh, the people that are stealing is because they are hungry, oh, or, you know, all those kind of things. And I just laugh because the mindset that has brought us to that point. The issue of corruption, fighting corruption, there's a huge part of it that is spiritual. Yeah. That if we don't go to the root, we're not going to go far with it. All of us work in industries where there are real people doing shady stuff. Sometimes you are even afraid to confront them. Or you are even afraid to be a non-conformist. And you should know that the devil has chosen to leverage people's greed to the point that he can use them to kill just to make money. So that's spiritual. And we should approach it <clears throat> spiritually. So how do you deal with systemic corruption? First is that you must fortify, we must fortify ourselves with prayer. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. We are not dealing with ordinary human beings. We are dealing with principalities. We are dealing with wicked spirits that want to hold a company down, that want to destroy the foundation of a company, that want to destroy a nation. Ephesians 6 and, and, and verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We need to understand that. Don't look at corruption in your office casually. Pray about it. That's what I'm saying. Stand against that spirit that is ruling over the industry where you belong. Come with understanding. You are taking a new job. And you heard from the grapevine. There are people there who do shady stuff. It's not enough to say I'm not going to join them. 
is you have to take authority over that ruling spirit that is leveraging their greed to destroy people's lives. When they give a contract for somebody to build good road and they refuse to build it, people die on the same road. Lives are being destroyed. That cannot be the will of God. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It's just the devil leveraging people's greeds to wreak havoc. The devil has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John 10, 10, that's what the scripture says. We have to approach these things with open hearts and know that what we're dealing with is spiritual. It's spiritual. So there's a dimension to corruption. There's a dimension to a community, an atmosphere, where there is, you know, everybody's living out of sync with God. There's a, see, activism without an addition of spirituality will not lead us far. Yeah. I love for us to do more lobbying, do more advocacy, you know, and all that. I want us to do a lot more of that. Even as a church, we should do a lot more of advocacy. We should protest when we need to protest. But the first place to protest is on our knees. Yeah. Let's stand in our authority over the prince of the devil, over the wicked spirit holding our nation down to the greed of a few people that the enemy has held captive to use. That's the same thing you should do in your industry. Whether you are in education, entertainment, banking, that's what we should do. When we do that, we'll be more bold to speak when we're supposed to speak. You cannot be bold to speak when you have not prayed as a Christian. That boldness is not by the Spirit. It's bold face. Yeah. When they rattle you, you calm down. And then if you can't beat them, you join them. Yeah. When you cannot say, what's the worst case scenario? I lose my job. God gave me this one, he gave me another one. That's somebody who has prayed. But when you think your life will be over if you lose that job, you, you just say, it's okay. Uh, 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 yes, let's go on. It is where? Yeah, yeah that's where we start to say it is where. Say, somebody say, if you know the kind of things that are going on in this office, uh, it is where? It is where? <laughs> also, people in power or those who work in the system must speak against corruption. Yeah. The Bible says that we should not be a part of unfruitful work of darkness, but we should reveal them. Yeah, we should reveal them. Those of us who are also affected by the corruption must also speak out. And that means you we need to expose them. Yeah. Especially in these days of social media. Somebody is demanding something from you. Record the conversation. Take a picture. Post it somewhere. Those are the ways, I mean, practical ways that we can start to, you know, sanitize this environment. Yeah. I love what some people are doing with the SARS people now because they've become a menace. Yeah. Because I, I don't know how you want to fight corruption by stopping any young man that looks good and drive a good car and you want to check their phone. That's barbaric. 
With technology, you can. You can tap anything that anybody... You don't have to check anybody's phone. It's barbaric. You can't be using 20th century model to fight 21st century demon. Yeah. You see a young man driving in his car, uh, then you stop him. What do you do? <laughs> I was talking to Pastor Idris, pastor of a young adult church during the week. He said, the policeman like that, stop him. He said, what do you do? He said, I don't have a job. <laughs> so the man looked at him like... And so what do you want to do? I don't have a job. Is it a crime not to have a job? <laughs> and he was just fooling around with the guy that what kind of, you know. <laughs> eventually, you know, the guy understood and decided laughing and all that. The guy said, you should go. Because the harassment is getting too much. Yeah. Bring your phone. Bring your iPad. Bring your laptop. They don't even know what they're looking for. That's how to fight corruption. <laughs> I was driving into... <laughs> a, an event place once and I was tell, telling my, my assistant you know that thing that they bring to be checking on that I will now ask one of them what are you looking for <laughs> he said they just said we should carry it around it. <laughs> if you see an explosive can you recognize it yeah. just carry something that looks like glass just go around you are wasting my time because you don't even know what you are looking for. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. <laughs> My time is up. <laughs> Let's get serious about accountability. We must hold ourselves and the people who serve us accountable. But it starts with me. Tell your neighbor, say, it starts with you. Yeah, it starts with you. It starts with you. Accountability starts with me. One of the greatest ways you can be accountable is to mingle with like-minded people. Yeah. He who walk with the wise shall be wise. And the companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's what the scripture says. Mingle with like-minded people. You gain from what they're saying, you contribute, you, you embolden each other. Then you know that not everybody is doing it. Not everybody is cheating on their spouse. Not everybody is stealing money. Not everybody is a pathological liar. Not everybody is looking for how to take their share of the national cake. Some people are there to serve. Yeah. And in every climb, you meet righteous people. If you are looking out for them, you'll find them. There are good lawyers. There are great doctors. There are great mechanics. Who will not tell you that the part that is still new is bad? Yeah, they're good ones. Wherever you find yourself, look for good people and associate with them. Come into their company. You will sustain a life of integrity. Somebody bless this morning. I said, are you blessed this morning? Somebody celebrate Jesus. God is cleaning his church. God is awakening our conscience. And the word of God is finding a big place in our heart. Lift your two hands to Jesus this morning.